All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another daily dose of grace. And I'm Pastor Nathan Hurst. And today we're going to talk about something super interesting. In fact, uh, I got to make sure everything's hooked up because I think we're all ready to rock and roll, but you never know. You want to make sure. And if you're joining us live online, man, just go ahead and comment. Let us know you're there. Maybe heart it up, like up uh, the, uh, uh, the, the podcast today and let us know what you're feeling and what you're seeing. So today, uh, actually, I want to talk about something really interesting, or at least I think it's interesting. It's the idea of a scapegoat. Now, some of you might be familiar with the context of a scapegoat as far as the scripture is concerned. Uh, maybe some of you are really familiar. Maybe some of you aren't so familiar. But today, I want to get into it a little bit because it impacts our society. In fact, I think most of us actually use this mechanism of scapegoating uh, more than we'd like to. And we see it all throughout, uh, really all throughout culture. And so I think we want to come to a place where the scapegoating uh, becomes, well, maybe less and less of an issue uh, for most of us in our life. And, and we can get away from actually doing what the Bible tells us not to do. And and I, you know, we'll get there here in just a second. So as it says there in the little bug in the corner, uh, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1 through 34, is where it's outlined in the, New Te- or in the Old Testament what scapegoating is really all about. So if you want to look it up, you can go look up the process. But it's basically this. At the Day of Atonement, there were two goats uh, that were that were used for sacrifice. And one goat was killed as a sin offering. So it was the remedy for sin for God's people. And the other goat uh, was actually used as a confessionary offering where a priest would take the goat and he would grab it by the horns. And when he grabbed it by the horns, he would now confess over the goat take it you know, face-to-face, nose-to-nose, and he would confess over the goat all of the sins of the people for an entire year. He would just confess and lay on, on that goat. Now, this wasn't a goat, and this wasn't a process that was needed for sinful people. Again, these were God's chosen people, happened to slip up from time to time and sin. But the, the priest would take it, identify with the goat, confess the sins of an entire people over the goat, And then he would let the goat off into the wilderness and a very trusted individual. And it was only uh, by a trusted individual uh, who would take it over there. Hey, good morning. I see one of the comments there. Good morning, Melissa. Good to have you with us. Uh, But the, uh, the, the priest would take the goat, confess over it, then lead it off in the wilderness. And if it ever came back into the town again, the people were to pick everything up and leave. As a remembrance of their sin, they couldn't even touch it, go near it. So a very trusted man had to lead it very far, very far off in the wilderness. And so what happens is over time, we forget the context of the scapegoat. The scapegoat is literally saying that I'm not going to place blame on anything or anyone other than dealing with my own self between me and God. In fact, that's what the priest was kind of symbolizing there, that we were going to deal with our own self, our own issues, uh, our own life between ourselves and God. Now, in culture today, we might call this blame shifting, where we blame somebody else. In culture today, we might call this, um, uh, well, obviously scapegoating comes to mind, uh, but we might call this or look at this as some other faction where we're just shifting responsibility to someone else or some other thing or some other issue or some other group of people. And so, this practice, this practice goes on all throughout the, the Old Testament. It goes right into uh, the New Testament. Jesus would have been familiar with this practice. It would have been something that he would have heard of and, and been a part of. And, you know, this is something that would have been real in their lives. And so they push this practice down through the generations. And then finally, Jesus, Jesus shows up on the scene. 
And in John, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to read, and it's going to come up on the screen. But John chapter 1 and verse 29, this is John the Baptist, and it says, uh, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, so John saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, this is interesting what John says, and it's incredibly interesting how it's been translated. He doesn't say the sins of the world, and then he uses a phrase, the Lamb of God, right? So many of us think, well, it's the Lamb that's on the altar to be to be killed for the sins of humanity. There's part of that. That's true, right? He's, he's, he's sacrificed for our sins. But the other part of that that we sometimes overlook is... Anytime there was this, this practice of the scapegoat, anytime there was this practice of the remediation of sin through this action of killing this goat and killing this, this sheep or lamb, there was, a, there was a different side to it that we forget, the scapegoat side, where literally the sins of the people were confessed upon the goat and it was cast out from them, never to return. But here we see Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the sins of the world, but the sin of the world. I believe that John is talking about, and the Bible translators were very specific with this, that the sin of the world is the idea of scapegoating. That Jesus is literally the scapegoat that ends scapegoating. So you and I don't have to live our life wondering who to blame next. We don't have to live our life saying, well, it's that, it's those darn Republicans or it's those darn Democrats. And if they'd get their act together, then we'd finally have peace. We'd, we'd finally be where we need to be as a country, as a nation, as a culture, as a whatever. We don't have to blame our spouse and say, God, it's the, it's the spouse you gave me. I can't do anything about them, Jesus. We don't have to blame our boss. We don't have to blame our kids. We don't have to blame somebody else. We can be honest with who we are, go to God and say, God, I've screwed up. I've messed up. I know that you bring forgiveness at the cross because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I also know that he is that scapegoat. And in taking away the sin of the world, he carries my sin away. The consequence of my sin, he carries it away as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. That he literally becomes that scapegoat that carries away after the cross our sin to an abyss that's beyond us, to hell itself, drops it off there, wins the battle, death, hell, and the grave. He takes the keys literally from the abyss and says, I've conquered it all and leaves our sin there. But he then returns. Not like, the, not like the scapegoat we see in the Old Testament that wasn't allowed to return if it even came near the camp, that they were to pack everything up and move because they couldn't even have the memorial or the memory of their sin in front of them. No, Jesus comes back and says, not only have I taken and carried your sin away, this primary sin even of scapegoating, not only have I taken it away, but I've come back to show you how clean, how virtuous, how righteous you can really be. It's all washed away. It's all clean. Now, Again, what I think John is testifying to is not just that our sins have been taken away, not just that we've been forgiven, not just they've been carried off, but that they've been carried off to such an extent that we don't have to wonder and worry about scapegoating anymore. We don't always have to find a fix for life's problems. We can take it to Jesus. We don't always have to find the fix and say, well, if this person gets right or if that person gets right, or, or if we go after this group or if we go after that group, then finally life will come back around to what we anticipate, what we intend. No, Jesus took the sin of scapegoating, the sin of blame shifting, the sin of placing the blame on someone else. Listen, there are volumes written, theological volumes written on how to blame somebody else. We're going to blame this group. You know, for a while it was blame black people. In this country, through the church, blame black people. You know, it shifted. Now it's blame white people. 
Blame white people for all societal problems and ills. Both of those are wrong. They're both blame-shifting ideas that cause us to scapegoat somebody else rather than dealing personally, independently with the issues that we carry. Not that we shouldn't strive for justice and not that we shouldn't strive for cultural change and shift, but we shouldn't be so intent on blame-shifting, on scapegoating somebody else that we don't deal with the real issues that life presents us, that we don't deal with where we're really at. See, in fact, what Jesus is challenging us to do here, what, what the scriptures are challenging us to do with the background of the scapegoat, what they're challenging us to do is very simple. Go to God honestly, individually on your own. Say, God, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. God, I need help. I need a fix. And I know you are the answer. Listen, if we get to this place and we're honest with ourselves and we really get to this place, I guarantee you we'll stop scapegoating. We'll stop worrying about who's at fault and whose issue is to blame. What we'll do is we'll start to internalize, understand if I can fix me first, if I can get myself in order first, if I can attend to my issues first and primarily, then the rest of the world will start to take a different shape. I want to encourage you today as, as you walk through and listen to and just mill over this idea of a scapegoat. Think about it for a second. How many areas in your life are you scapegoating? How many areas in your life are you blame shifting? How many areas in your life are you not being real and honest and raw before God because you're afraid? You're afraid that if you open up truly and show him yourself that you might be rejected, set off, or put off? Or how many times are we afraid to actually stop scapegoating, deal with our issues because, man, if we deal with somebody else's issues, then we're okay. If we deal with somebody else's inconsistencies, if we deal with somebody else's issues, if we poke fun at the president or this group or that group, then you know what? I can mask and override my own issues. No, it's time that we get honest with ourselves, come back to square one and say, okay, Jesus, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand, Lord. I got to deal with me first. Get your house in order first. Make your own bed first in the morning and then deal with life's problems. See, I believe that if we are honest to the scriptures, we understand that all of Christianity is very, very much about personal responsibility, that we can't collectively change anything if we're not changing ourselves. So we've got to come to a place where we deal with it independently on our own and take on this opportunity to end the sin of scapegoating once and for all. Listen, it happened in the Old Testament right in the beginning. Adam and Eve have two sons. One son offers an offering to God and it isn't taken. The other offers an offering to God and he lavishly takes it up. And the one son doesn't know what to do about it. He's frustrated. He's mad. He doesn't get it that what he offered God wasn't pleasing because it wasn't what God asked for. So in the end, what does he do? He murders his brother. The same thing happens today in our culture, in our climate, where we set out to do something we think is right and just and maybe it doesn't work out the way we anticipate. Maybe life didn't work out the way you've anticipated. And so rather than taking assessment and understanding where we're at, we blame shift even to the point that we would knock somebody off, knock somebody over, kill their influence, kill their livelihood. It's called cancel culture. We do all of that. Why? Because we don't want to look inward. I want to encourage you today. Understand Jesus saves you from the sin of even scapegoating, from needing to place blame on somebody else and deal with yourself right where you're at. Man, it's so freeing to understand it and know I don't have to look for problems in someone else. I don't have to look for problems in the world and culture around me. I don't have to look and overlook and overanalyze everything else going on. I can deal with me. And as I deal with me, I become a spark in the world that 
really develops honest to goodness change throughout our communities. See, once change happens in you, it's infectious and it starts to change the world. And once that change is sparked in you, and it isn't because you're trying to wave your flag and it isn't because you're trying to, you know, carry your banner. It's because you know that in Christ you are secure and you can deal with all of life's issues. And that becomes a wildfire that just breeds into our communities. So today I want to encourage you, go to Jesus with everything you are all in, put those chips all in and understand you don't have to scapegoat anymore. You don't have to be fearful of being honest and raw and open before God. You don't have to scapegoat another minute. Jesus saves us from that sin. He is the Lamb of God who takes away that very sin of scapegoating. Man, I want to encourage you guys today, Whatever, wherever God has you today, just go on, do your all, do your best, be all that you can be, because I guarantee you that God will meet you where you're at, even at your point of your greatest need, and He will help us live this life to the best of our abilities. Amen? Man, we're excited to continue these, and we'll see you guys tomorrow with another episode. Hopefully, you're getting something out of it. If you are, man, like, share, comment, let us know. Let me know what you want to hear us talk about, this kind of things that are on my brain. Uh, but maybe it's too nerdy for you. Maybe you want something else a little more practical, or maybe you want something else at a different level. Let me know. We'll talk about it, and we'll discuss it. And we're so, again, thankful for all that God's doing in the life of our church, in our community, and we believe our best days are ahead. Amen? Well, we'll see you tomorrow.